Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with Canadian sales professional Josh Flower. He is a B2B sales professional who has closed millions in software and services. He is an expert on elite sales performance and how to find your life's purpose. Josh teaches that people must focus on personal development and learning sales skills to drastically improve their lives. He's got proof. Enjoy this interview. Well, man, I want to peel back the layers of your life and sales and what's made you who you are up to this point. And to begin that, how did you get that? We're going on the four-year anniversary of this pandemic that we all went through. How did you get through the pandemic and how did it change you? It's a good question, Joe, and I wasn't anticipating it. I know you like to ask it. And it's a, you know, I think it's a valid question even now because I thought that I handled the pandemic quite well. So at the time I was sober and it had been sober for about three years and went into the pandemic just fine. You know, I was more worried about my kids because, you know, I think for all of us that have kids, right? It's like, are they missing out on socializing opportunities? What about like my son missed his high school grad and the first year of university experience, which was really tough. But I reintroduced certain things like alcohol into my life during the pandemic. So in hindsight, I think it took a bit more of an emotional toll on me than I was expecting. And um, so yeah, I, I used some coping mechanisms. I ultimately got through it just fine. And now I'm back on track. I've been sober for about 10 months. Um, and not, not that I was dedicated sober because I felt like I needed to, it was just like a lifestyle decision that I had made and then went back on during the pandemic. So yeah, I think it was a, a challenge for me as I think it was for many people. How about you? I mean, how, how, how did you handle it? I, you know, I went out, I had kids, I have, I have a son and a stepdaughter. And honestly, I ramped up a lot of my interviews with the jazz musicians and oh, I would let the kids listen to the interviews and the overwhelming timber of the voice and the way that people were approaching it as musicians was pretty positive. And they got to hear all these perspectives from around the world. Um, and then we, you know, Kansas city's pretty sprawling. So we got to drive to nature centers at one point. We were doing some telehealth call and there was people out with these big cameras. We lived next to a nature sanctuary and all of a sudden this bald eagle comes out and some guy comes over to the car and says, I've been waiting to see this for 10 years. And it was just those little moments where like nature slowed and got quieter. And I think all the animals kind of like a Snow White movie came out. It was like, wow, all the humans are <laughs> finally not as noisy as they usually are. <laughs> Let's see what's going on. And things just kind of, it, it was wild. I mean, I, at one point, I'm an IT technician for a school district by day. So I was driving down kind of this back road and a dog was chasing a deer. And I was like, what is going on? It just was something you would never see otherwise. So it was kind of the, the whole time I knew we had, a, it was a monopoly and you just had to make the best out of it. It was not going to be something where you were like, yeah, we were waiting around to see what would happen whatever you do you can't waste it you just got to go in and do what you got to do you know but with the with the alcohol i will tell you one thing that's weird everybody was buying up the toilet paper but the alcohol aisles were full of full of bottles i would have figured it would have been the opposite <laughs> right right I, I, yeah yeah or, or, or everything would have gone right and yeah. and and you know like 
I, I don't want to imply that it was a big issue and that I was like drinking my face off or anything like that, because I noticed some of the same things you did. Like I would go for like peaceful drives. We would get out to nature, nature walks. There was some beautiful family bonding time that I'm so grateful for, yeah. you know, where we were playing board games and we were, it was wonderful in so many ways, but it was just a few of those personal choices, you know, habits, if you will, that I had implemented into my life that I went back on a little bit, perhaps because there was a sense like, ah, oh, the playing field has shifted a little bit. So let me try this or let me do something different that in hindsight, I was like, hmm, I think that was a mistake. You know, I'm going to go back and switch that up again. Yeah. Um, but overall, I'd say we got through it as as well as as you could hope for. Yeah. And ultimately, I don't know about you, but I'm a rosy colored sort of lenses person when I look back and it's like, hey, we got through that and there were some beautiful moments. So, you know, onwards, right? You know, my son and I, at the end of every year, we just kind of do a, a little like like audio retrospective. I've been doing it for a long time, oh, most okay. of his life. And I remember getting to the end of 2020 and I was interviewing him and asking him questions. And I was like, how was this year for you? And he was like, it was good. And I was like, really? And he was just elaborating because we had just moved to a new house in the beginning of the year and it was a new school. There was all these things going on. And he genuinely was like, yeah, it was, it was all good. So that was kind of a re reaffirmation at the end of the year that, you know, we did the right things, I think. So it was oh, good. That is amazing. I love to hear that. I love that idea, by the way. I'm big on having experiences with my kids. And one of my favorite things when my kids were growing up every night, when I would tuck them in, I'd ask them, what were your three favorite things about the day, you know, and it's just this opportunity to look back on the day, or in your case, look back on the year and talk about it and, you know, reflect on yeah. what this life is, right? Yeah. I love that. I, uh, my kids are a little too old for that. Well, maybe they're not, maybe I should introduce yeah. something like that. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> Let me hop into exactly what you do for a living. Um, let me put you in front of a bunch of grade schoolers. It's career day, third graders. And one of the kids says, Hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm going to answer it in two parts. So the first thing is I help people solve problems related to training um, in their organizations. So I sell enterprise software, specifically training platforms and services, um, B2B. So, you know, sort of big deals to big companies. But I know kids, that would be a really boring answer. They wouldn't want to, you know, they wouldn't really jive with that or resonate with that. So I'm going to answer the second part in a second way, which is my new vocation or this new practice that I've launched, which is coaching. So in essence, I help people improve the quality of their lives through coaching. So and that's, that's my true passion, you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah. So before we get to how all of this evolved into coaching, when yeah. you were in that same position as a third grader, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, I'm sure that I wanted to be an astronaut. There was a phase where I wanted to be an astronaut. Fireman, I think like every little boy, you know, yeah. wanted to be that at some point. Athlete, of course. Um, never salesperson, I'll tell you that. But sales was something that my uncle around age 10 or 11 started whispering in my ear saying, sales, Josh, sales. He was an entrepreneur. He ran a business. And he said, you've got it. You've got the personality for it. You need to get into sales. And I think I ignored those calls until I was in my mid-20s and then realized, huh, maybe I do have an aptitude for this. Maybe I'll get into this. Yeah. I'm not going to make the NBA at this point. So let's go for it. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of how do you, how do you think with your upbringing, 
those seeds of sales and now eventually getting into coaching. How do you think all of that kind of grew and evolved into who you are today? Yeah, really good question. So, yeah, I was raised by loving parents and I was raised to be a confident person. I wasn't a particularly good student. I think that's a hallmark for a lot of people. You know, um, the school system wasn't really appropriate for me, but I always knew I was a bright individual. And so I came through that, uh, actually started my career in social work, believe it or not, which is, you know, an empathetic career where you're helping other people. But for a variety of reasons, it just didn't feel right for me. So um, I ended up getting into sales. I was attracted to an ad I saw in the newspaper. So that's how old I am. And, and uh, I went for it. And within a couple of months, I realized this is my true calling. I still get to practice that uh, you know, interaction with people. I still get to understand people's problems, even if it's in a business context. And I get to try and solve those problems. So that was very attractive to me. The pay was a lot better as well on sales than on uh, on the social work side. So that really worked for me also. But, you know, Joe, I'm at a point in my career now where I recently turned 50 and I've been doing this for 25 years almost and I'm good at it. And I know that I can keep getting better at it, but it's not quite as satisfying as it used to be, you know, the day to day of yeah. it. And I've, and maybe it's that old social social worker in me is coming back, but is saying, you know, how can you spend more of your time helping people? What have you learned over these 25 years that could be applicable to people, not just within a sales context, but maybe in other ways? So I'm being drawn in that direction. Like you, I still got the day day job. I'm good at it. It's paying the bills. I'm enjoying it. But I'm I've started this process of moving over to how can I help more people on maybe call it the back nine of my career. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. It's all about finding that passion, that that place that you really belong. And I've always had a day job, but I've always had side things that have always interested me. I do visual arts too and all of that. So you have to find that place that makes the most sense. And obviously, you know, when you have a family and you have obligations and you have things that you have to do, you got to look out at everything holistically, you know? Oh, yeah, like you you are a doer, right? I mean, between your multiple podcasts plus the other things that you do, it's it's inspirational. And I think that's the thing. A lot of people just think there's work and leisure, work and leisure. But I think that there's a way that you can contribute. Yeah. And maybe it turns into a full-time gig. Maybe you don't even want it to, right? Yeah. Like I could go on selling for another 15 years and be quite happy and satisfied. As long as the challenges keep getting progressively, you know, uh, bigger and better there. But I'm being drawn in this way, so I'm going to lean into it, um, yeah, is my feeling. And hey, um, my kids are a little older than yours, I think. So I've got a 21-year-old son and a 17-year-old daughter. So I'm almost through the university yeah. you know, payment phase. And then, I, well, I guess there's weddings and stuff that are yeah. going to come later. But I, I think it's going to get a little bit more uh, cost-effective for me. Maybe you've got a bit more time ahead of you. I don't know. <laughs> well, I my son, he's 19 now. He's on the autism spectrum. So he's going to be with okay. me. For, you know, I nothing about his, um, the bell curves and all of that have been traditional. So, okay. um, but there, there's something that, that that's, that's a whole other part of, of my reality. Um, uh, my stepdaughter, on the other hand, she's 18, ecstatic to be in an adult mode and all of that. So it's, okay. uh, all of that's going to unfold. So, um, I'll see both sides of the paradigm, so to speak. 
you know. Well, good. Oh, yeah. So we're you're lo- like we're basically in the same boat as yeah. far as as that that is concerned. But no, I like the way that you said it. Part of your reality, because guess what? Reality is what it is, right? It's not. Uh, there's no need to label it. You know. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like you got a great relationship with your son. So uh, yeah, I'm really happy to hear that. And it's you know, fun. Lucky to have you. Yeah. yeah, it's fun, man. It's 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 been a different way. I can't imagine seeing the world the way I've seen it. Like I would have never seen it if he wouldn't have opened my eyes to it based on who he is and what he needs and how he conceptualizes all of this. It's just interesting. And that's the thing. I always say, if you try to arm wrestle with God, you're going to lose. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it isn't going to work out, man. So you, we don't, that's the thing that's so odd about the human condition is that we all think about these ideal scenarios based on mass media and all these things that we're given, but we're all just given what we're given and you got to do the best you can. And I think after COVID, hopefully, I mean, I realized this a long time ago, having miles is that the, oh, there's only one thing I'm in control of. And that's how I, how, how well I can love those around me. Other than that, there could be a global pandemic. There could be a natural disaster. There could be something that flies out of someone's car on the highway in the morning. There's a, there's a myriad of things that can happen. And um, I'm just not in control of it. So uh, that, yeah. that that is the foundation of my sort of philosophy around coaching, which is that the only thing that we control is our reaction to the circumstances of life yeah. and you know the the habits that we instill for ourselves. And one of those is that choice to, to love others, to unconditionally love others, right? And it starts with the people in our families. But everything about my coaching practice is not around how can you create scenarios or take advantage of scenarios. It's how do you armor yourself to be the best version of you so that as situations arise, you can handle them in the way that you're supposed to and that you can do a little creation in the process. So um, very aligned on that with you. And yeah. we all are taught this lesson in different ways, aren't we? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. It's groomed in, in a myriad of ways. So speaking of being groomed in ways, who's been a hero for you in your life? Yeah, I like that question. And I've been thinking about this one and I don't want this to come off in an arrogant way, but I've had different heroes at different phases of my life. So when I was a young person, it was the athletes. Magic Johnson was my favorite. Just love that guy and uh, found him to be so inspirational. And there's been different, you know, business leaders over the years that have been um, inspirational to me. But again, I really think that all of us need to look at the person in the mirror for inspiration and realize that that person has so many of the answers just through our own experiences. If we would only sort of pay attention and give ourselves a little bit more credit and be inspired by ourselves and our own stories. And I think that, so that's what I've tried to do. You know, when I got into my sales profession, I just thought to myself, okay, I know I've got some talent. You know, my uncle used to tell me about that and other people in my life. So I'm just going to work hard and I'm going to try and lean on my talent a little bit. And I got results through that, right? But where the results really came, Joe, for me, and I think for anyone that's a really conscientious professional, is going through the process of learning, applying, failing, and then hopefully going through a reflection process every time those failures happen, and then learning so that you can adapt and, and try again. 
and this is just ongoing. Like, you know, again, I'm 20 plus years in the game and I just got a crushing defeat yesterday. And I thought as I went to bed last night, I'm like, how is this going to affect my mood when I come into the call with Joe tomorrow? But I've been doing this long enough where I can shake those things off. So, you know, be your own hero, everyone. That's what I would say. Um, trust in yourself, take your lessons, take them on the chin, keep adapting. And don't forget to look back at how far you've come. You know, like there's, yeah. there's so much to be proud of there. And it's the answer isn't someone outside of yourself or a story or a circumstance outside yourself. It's in you. It's what you've been through. So lean on that. Be your own hero. So what's been your best success story as a coach so far? One of your favorite ones? Oh, well, the, the best success story is when someone says, you, you changed my life. That's, that, that's it. It's not necessarily a result. It's not an outcome where it's like, I wanted to lose 20 pounds and now I did. And by the way, I'm not a personal trainer and I'm not a nutritionist, but my coaching programs start with the idea that you've got to get your house in order from a habit perspective before we move on to changing mindsets, which is really what life is all about, is how you're viewing things, it's how you're interpreting your life and, and the control that you have. We've got to kind of grunt in a few habits to get you on the right track. So, and incidentally, my coaching philosophy is not going to be appropriate for everyone. So I invite people to come check out my Instagram because I show you how I'm living. I, every single day I post a ton of videos so people can see how I'm living and what my philosophy is. I'll run through it real quick. It's a wake up time. So I want you to wake up a little earlier than is comfortable. There's a personal reflection period where you look back on your regrets from yesterday. So those are, you know, you don't choose what you regret. You just have regret. So think back to what you regret and then pledge to do better today. And then there should be some form of exercise in your morning. And that's really the, the foundation. If you do those three things, you're going to be set off to a good start. So that's what I recommend people do. And I've had clients say that they're, that that alone is a life changer for them. Yeah. If we can then get into the next phase, which is, how do we change those mindsets, those beliefs, so that you can actually go out and accomplish the things that you think you really want to accomplish out there, which are, you know, career success, money, relationships, et cetera. Um, you know, how, how do we get those, those mindsets in place? What I think people really want to achieve, though, is just the ability to love themselves. And so it starts with those daily habits. It is a holistic approach. It's, I mean, it, it, like you said, losing weight and all of that, it really is. There's exercise, there's cutting out bad things that you shouldn't have in your life. There's all of these things, whether it's fast food or booze or whatever it is. And then the, all of those things will give you a level of mental clarity. And then you're dealing with your things without self-medicating. So yeah, it's, it, it's a big line of dominoes that happens, you know, but you, yeah, it does, Joe. But you know, like what I'll normally say to folks is like, look, we're going to introduce these habits, which seems so simple, right? Ah, oh, you're going to do a little bit of exercise in the morning. The thing is, we've all done it, right? Where we introduce an exercise program or a diet or some other sort of a regimen, and we don't stick to it long term. So we're able to grunt through a couple of weeks or a month of it, and then we then we fall off. So we just introduce that to start getting the habits in place. But as quickly as possible, we do want to move on to the mindset stuff, because that's what's going to allow it to stick long term. So it sounds weird, but it starts with some actions, and then we focus on the mindset. 
And the mindset, there's really three like layers of my coaching. The first is getting in touch with true desires and motivation. So a lot of times people will tell me, hey, I want to make 10 million bucks or I want, you know, a Lamborghini or I want six pack or something like that. And it's like, let's get into that. Like, are you sure that's really what you want? Or do you just want to be healthy? Do you just want to, you know, be healthy so that you'll be here as long as possible? You'll be functional and able for your family. Like, let's get in touch with what your true desires are and what's going to motivate you. Once we've identified that, then we can look at your belief structure. Beliefs are really, they fall into one of two categories. They're either supportive or they're hindering. Right? We all have these hindering beliefs where we've just got a barrier around making money or we can't stick to whatever the habits are that we want. So we identify the hindering beliefs and then we have exercises we do to replace those with supportive beliefs. Once we're doing that consistently, then we can shift to your moment to moment thinking. You know, and we all have that dialogue, right? That self dialogue that's either bringing us to a higher frequency or a lower frequency. So then it's just about how do we identify when we're slipping into a low frequency and what are the steps that we do to get ourselves back up again? And just that alone with the habits, you know, that we've instilled at the front end will normally pe get people on a really powerful pathway to success. So that's the crux of the, crux of the coaching, but it really starts with get up a little earlier, do a little physical exercise, sure. reflect a little bit, you know, that's how yeah. it starts. So let me ask you this, of all of these things that you've done in your life, that you've overcome and evolved and achieved and all of these things, what are you the proudest of? Love that question. I think the right question for anyone, you know, that, that has a family is your family, because that is your most primary thing that, that your life is geared around, right? I probably wouldn't live in this house if it weren't for my family. I probably wouldn't do a lot of things if it weren't for my family. But to me, there's there's such a lesson there, right? Why do people love having families? I mean, beyond the biological impulses that we all have, it's because there's something beautiful about having a purpose that's beyond ourselves and when we can give love to others, right? And the most logical beings to do that with are our kids, our spouse. But let's extend that a step further, right? I think where you can get into real joy and happiness in your life is extending that giving, that unconditional love to those beyond your immediate family. So I think it starts with the family, right? We're all a bunch of yahoos and knuckleheads and pleasure seekers when we're young. Then we get the responsibility of the family and we learn a little bit. And that's a tough transition. I don't know about you, Joe, but for me, I hung on to the old life, right? I hung on to the pleasure seeking. I probably partied a little too late into my life because I wasn't ready to let go of that and focus on the family unit. Um, but now I'm through that. My family's almost raised and it's like, where am I gonna put that effort, that that attention, that love? And, uh, you know, to me, the logical place is into others. Yeah. Um, so, so the family was the the crucible, if you will. They That was the starting point for me that, uh, is going to lead to to a lot more joy and happiness in my life, I hope. Absolutely. Yeah. So let me ask you this. We get off this call, a time machine pulls up in front of your house. You can go back and see one event in human history. Where are you going? Oh, one event in human history. That is an excellent question. Or we can do this since oh. you're a sports fan. One game. What game you going to? 
Okay, I, I'm going to give you two answers. Okay, so okay. I I want I want to go back. I want to be in the field seeing the Wright brothers fly for the first time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, to me, flight is the first time I one of my first memories is being on an airplane and just being fascinated. You know, yeah. I can't believe that we're in the sky. Like, and I'm fascinated with birds and just the concept of flying. So that would be the historical thing. I would yeah. love to see that. The game, it would be the World Cup final, England defeating um, West Germany in 66. So wow. the World Cup soccer final. I was born in England. My family um, immigrated to Canada when I was just a young boy. Apparently, I had an accent for a little period of time, but that's long gone. So I've got that full <laughs> Canadian accent at this point. Um, but uh, always been a fan, had relatives uh, back in England that we would go and visit. So a uh, big soccer fan, and I would would love to have seen that game. Yeah, that's great, man. Great answers. So if anyone wants to hire you as a coach, you had mentioned Instagram, reach out, learn more about you. Where's the best place to go? Yeah, Joe, thanks for that. And uh, you bet. Instagram's the best place. Obviously, I'm on LinkedIn. You can hook up, hook up with me on uh, Facebook. My name's you know pretty unique, Josh Flower, so pretty easy to find me. But Instagram is where I'm telling the daily story. So you're going to see about my wake up time. You're going to see about my morning process. You're going to see how I feel when I walk out of the gym every morning. And I'm going to drop some little nuggets throughout the day, show you some of the diets that I'm eating. That's a great place for people to just get to know me a little bit better. And then if you're curious, if you've got questions, would love to hear from you. Drop me a DM anytime. I'm on there basically until I drop at the end of the day. <laughs> there you go. I yeah. love it. Josh, you're wonderful, man. Thank you so much for your story. Thank you for your time. This has been great, man. I appreciate it. Joe, I appreciate you. And I really am in awe of what you do and your interest in other people, uh, as well as the arts and music and sports and, and everything. You're a fascinating dude and uh, really appreciate uh, you having me on today. Thank you for the kind words, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, 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 it is about the fascination. You just got to keep it alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see yeah. it. You, you've got it, man. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Music